Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going well. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to all our listeners. Yes. Thank you all for listening. We are very thankful for our listeners, and uh, we appreciate you spending your time every week with us. Uh, And it still blows me away of how many people that we have listening to this, uh, listening to you and I talk about things in the SBC. Yeah, it just goes to show that um, there are a lot of people who are interested in uh, what we do is we cooperate together, and uh, that's that's just a, a very that's a very good thing to know that that uh, desire is still out there to think about these things, to talk about these things, because um, it makes a difference when we come together, when we uh, share our resources with one another, and uh, these are these are important things. And you know who else we're thankful for? Who out? Southern Seminary, located in Louisville, Kentucky, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral programs by visiting sbts.edu. Thankful for their sponsorship week after week here on the and podcast. And you know, I, as a, a personal note, I'm thankful. My husband has two degrees from there. Mm-hmm. And you got your SBC I, start there. I did. I had four uh, great uh, years, wonderful job, uh, two jobs there, actually. And uh, so very much. We're thankful for all six um, of our SBC seminaries and how they are training our uh, future leaders. We are, Amy. And last week we had quite a few state Baptist convention recaps. And guess what, Amy? Yes. We have more. We have more. We have even more. And we're going to start in Virginia, your former home state, uh, where they decried racism uh, with a resolution against Charlottesville. I mean, we talked about this back earlier in the summer. That was kind of the the peak of the alt-right movement this summer and uh, the violence that it brought uh, across the country. And we saw Southern Baptists speak out at that time against it. And we see that again in the Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia uh, resolution here from their homecoming. Not their annual meeting, Amy, their homecoming. Yes, uh, that's correct. It's always been called that. Uh, It was called that when we were part of the SBCV. And so it's a a great um, event, something that we enjoyed going to every year. Uh, I enjoyed it the most when it was in the middle of the state, when it was in uh, like Roanoke or something, because then that meant that someone took care of the kids and we got to like get away for a little while, which as a mom of toddlers, that's always nice. So those are my favorite years. But um, this one was in uh, Colonial Heights. And I think it was really important. You know, we talk about we've seen some alt-right um, resolutions from a lot of states after uh, the one in the SBC this summer. Uh, I think Virginia probably knew, the SBCV knew they they had to deal with this because of so much that has happened in their state. And this one came from the Resolutions Committee, and it was chaired by the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Charlottesville, Rob Pocheck. Yes, uh, so that's very, very important contextually. Yes, it is. Uh, I voiced sorrow over the August 12th deaths of Charlottesville resident Heather Heyer and two Virginia State troopers as well as denounced and repudiated every form of racial and ethnic hatred as a scheme of the devil intended to bring suffering and division to our society. The resolution passed unanimously at the homecoming meeting as well. Uh, They also gave uh, $100,000 to disaster relief in Puerto Rico. That's great. Yeah, Kevin Ezell was there. They had a special lunch uh, for the volunteers, for those who, who served. So definitely a focus 
um, sort of an outward focus of, of the SBCV in addition to the business they were doing. Yeah, a lot of disaster relief going on uh, since they started the disaster relief in the SBCV uh, about 15 years ago. In that time, they provided well over a million meals uh, through the SBC wow. Virginia Disaster Relief. Also, some business took place at the meeting. They approved a budget of $9.7 million, up from just a little bit under under 9.7 last year. And remember, Amy, they are a 51% state, so they kept that the same. Yeah. They, they keep 49%. They send on 51%. Uh, and then they also uh, elected Eric Thomas as president. Yes. Uh, so he is the pastor of First Baptist. Norfolk has been involved in the SBCV for a very long time. Former second vice president of the SBC as well. Yes, that's correct. Um, and I remember one year uh, they, they actually hosted the SBCV at their church. So he's been very involved for a long time. Um, I think I think this this leadership role uh, was uh, anticipated at some point, And so it will be great to see uh, what he does in the years to come. Yep. Alan McFarlane was elected first vice president, Emery Minton as second vice president, and Tim Ma as the secretary. And that will move us over to Oklahoma, where Anthony Jordan gave his final address as the BGCO executive director. Yes, uh, he will retire in April. So uh, 22 years of leading the convention. So kind of end of an era. Yes, it is. Uh, he's one of the longest tenured state execs out there. And uh, we had covered his uh, retirement announcement earlier this year on the podcast. So he will retire in April of 2018. So he's got just about six months left over there in Oklahoma. They have an executive director search team already in place and working. And uh, they did not provide an update in the story about that. So I I'm sure they're um, just talking to candidates, narrowing that down. I think we can expect an announcement uh, before Dr. Jordan retires. I think there'll be a smooth transition uh, because of the lead time that he gave. Also, Amy, they passed a 2018 budget of $25.75 million, up from $25.5 million this past year. They pass on 40% of the cooperative program funds to the SBC. And Joe Ligon was reelected as president, Mike Keybone as vice president, and Steve Dennis as second vice president. Amy, one resolution they passed I uh, found of interest, the Speaking Up for People with Disabilities resolution. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. And they they specifically were focusing on um, a trend. It says they voted to decry and reject the alarming trend that suggests babies diagnosed with genetic abnormalities such as Down syndrome should be aborted. So I, I would think uh, that would be in the, the wake of sort of the news that came out about Iceland, how Iceland had um, really almost eliminated the presence of Down syndrome uh, citizens. And then I think there was a video that was really circulating of a, an adult um, with Down syndrome addressing, was it a congressional committee, I think? Um, I, I saw it, yeah. it circulating around. So this conversation um, about um, people making choices uh, to terminate pregnancies when they discover Down syndrome and that being an accepted and even encouraged, um, which I, um, along with many women, can can attest to uh, sort of odd conversations of, about that in, in the medical community when we were having our own children. Um, yeah, well, I got a question on that. How did those in the medical community not see that as genetic genocide? Uh, you know, I don't know. And, and I can say that in my own experience, um, I, I had very respectful doctors that the moment I just kind of said they, they d discussed testing and I said, why would I do this? 
And they said, well, then you can make decisions. And I said, no, I have no interest. I, I just was kind of clear. Um, try not to be rude and combative, but just clear that they immediately said, okay. And they kind of backed off. So, so I, I did not ever get to the stage to have a kind of a difficult, yeah. Yeah. Or to have a difficult conversation or to have, or even find out how they deal with that because they immediately said, absolutely. And we moved to other things. I will say though, that I and, and other moms, uh, we all kind of that, that gets introduced in, in the process. I, I think this is certainly something that is out there in a worthwhile discussion. And I would I would just guess this happened in the context of some of those uh, articles and, and things passing around. So this is a great resolution. And it also comes uh, stems out of uh, Dr. Jordan's heart for the unborn. Uh, he played an instrumental role in establishing a crisis pregnancy center in 1986, uh, which has become a flourishing network of Oklahoma Baptist pregnancy resource centers that they say have uh, have saved more than 10,000 babies since being founded. I know the uh, the Oklahoma Baptist Home for Children is a very important part of the BGCO, uh, so this resolution kind of fits in with everything that uh, Oklahomans are already doing for the unborn. All right, up to Maryland, Delaware, Kevin Smith, good friend of the pod, and company met up there and approved a $7.729 million budget. Yeah, it looks like they had a, a great meeting up there. Um, they also took the step to increase CP allocation um, from 43.5% to 48%. Look at you, moving Kevin Smith. Ahead Look at that. To the SBC. Man. Yeah, so... Um, I love that picture of him preaching, by the way. Oh, I know. Gospel yeah, he's ninja. very expressive, very expressive in, um, in his uh, sermons. So that was a really big deal. And um, the, the president of the General Mission Board explained they've been making incremental progress toward a goal of 51%. Um, so their goal was to get to 51 by 2020. And they just said there was a desire to move the needle higher this year. Now, here's what's going to be interesting to me. One trend that you and I have noticed is that when the needle gets moved higher, faster, that the that we see an the increase usually respond, yeah. in, in giving. So it, we'll have to watch this and see, do we see that in Maryland, Delaware over this next year? So we should make a note of that, that next year we should look at it. Yeah. We should look at the number. All right. Also, Mark Trammell was a reelected the convention president, Rick Hancock as the first vice president, and Thomas Winborn as second vice president, David Gaines, uh, will continue to serve as the recording secretary and his wife, Tracy serves as the assistant recording secretary. So husband and wife serving Southern Baptist in Maryland and Delaware. That's pretty cool. So let's move to the middle of the country, Illinois. Yeah, Illinois, Amy, they had a log cabin. And not just any log cabin. I'm talking like big log cabin built in the building there. How cool yeah, that? Yeah, that you could go in. Yes, yeah. their theme Their theme was pioneering spirit. So they're coming on their 200th anniversary. Yep, it'll be and celebrated next year. Yes. So they had a log cabin that you could go in, uh, go into, I guess, and, and had some stuff probably about uh, Illinois history and yep. maybe Illinois Baptist history. I see cast iron um, skillets. I do. I do see, I see that. We I should love put a good that cast picture. iron skillet, by the way. I mean, we'll link to the story in the show notes, and we think everyone should go to these stories and read more. Um, but you should put that picture in. I, can we do that? Yeah, I, don't know. I can use it. Yeah, let's yep. use that. All right, we'll do. Well, Amy, they also had some business. They didn't just stand around in the log cabin, Amy. They did record some yes. business. And in that business, Amy, they reported that they had 14 new churches planted 
in 2017. Yes, and they welcomed 17 new churches uh, to affiliate with yeah. the IBSA. How about that? Um, yeah, that's really cool. Also, they approved an $8.7 million budget, 43.5% gets moved on to the cooperative program, national and international causes. They also elected by acclamation Adron Robinson, uh, who's an executive committee member uh, from mm -hmm. Illinois, as the president, Adam Cruz, was elected vice president, Robin Mayberry as recording secretary, and Sharon Carty as assistant recording secretary. Yeah, and so, and then this pioneering spirit uh, theme was not just about go visit the log cabin and look back to our past, uh, but to think toward the future. And so they uh, they really focused on these ideas, these four commitments. They said uh, four commitments to uh, depart from the status quo. So they wanted to encourage people um, to focus on church planting, um, asking at least 200 churches to commit to pray for new congregations, partner with a church planter, or lead in planting a new congregation. Um, they were praying for uh, 200 churches to baptize 12 people next year. So uh, evangelism goals, um, engaging lost people. Uh, the third one was to make new sacrifices and asking um, churches, 200 or more churches, to increase their CP giving um, with a goal of getting to at least 10% um, of undesignated offerings and then developing new leaders uh, with uh, the goal of 200 or more churches to have intentional development processes in place, leadership pipelines, yeah. uh, basically. So this, is th this was an idea to say, let's tap into um, who we are kind of as people from Illinois, this, this pioneering way. Let's continue to be pioneers into um, new uh, ways of thinking about ministry. All right, up to Minnesota, Wisconsin, just north of Illinois. We're, we're moving north. And somebody very close and dear to your heart was at this convention. Yes, he was. Uh, Keith Whitfield was at the at the convention sharing what was going on um, in the seminary. So he got to got to be there and enjoy. And uh, he, had, he had a great time up there. He did say it was cold. Well, it's Minnesota and Wisconsin, Amy. Yes. I, you know what? If you went to the Florida Baptist Convention, guess what? It would it probably would not, be not be cold. All right. Right. So we mentioned the Maryland-Delaware big jump. Well, Minnesota-Wisconsin said, I'll see that and I'll raise you even more. They're jumping from 22 to 32% wow. in 2018. 10% jump. So we need to keep an eye on that too. Yes. And they went from 13% in 2011 to 32% now in 2018. They have really, really dialed up the wow. meter up there in the... The Great White North of Minnesota, Wisconsin. Uh, they also approved a budget of $1.4 million, a 7% increase over last year's budget. That 32% that they pass will be of the anticipated CP gifts of $544,000. They also get income from Lifeway, North American Mission Board, and other special offerings. And Leo Endel was uh, was honored for 15 years. I didn't realize he'd been there that long. He's been there at 15 years as the Minnesota Wisconsin Baptist Convention Executive Director. Wow, that's a that's a real milestone. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and so all the current officers were reelected. Jackie Hill, pastor of Roseville uh, Baptist Church in Minnesota, as president, Tony Gulbrinson, uh, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Racine, Wisconsin, as vice president. Uh, then second vice president is Chris Hang from Twin City Mong Baptist Church in St. Paul. Um, recording Secretary Wes Shemwell uh, from Madison, Wisconsin, Brown Deer Baptist Church, and then Assistant Recording Secretary Jim Grass uh, from Southtown Baptist Church in Bloomington, Minnesota. You know something I just realized? 
Whenever what? you read the officers, you read their cities and their churches. And when I do, I don't. So I yes. wonder if the people that are being elected officers are hoping that you read them so their church and city will get some recognition instead of me. They might. They might think it's the better way. Oh, oh, wow. Thanks. All right, down to Tennessee. Speaking of better ways. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, well done there. I, I got to hand it to you on that one. And I can't I can't argue because yes. you know I love Tennessee. All right. We had 993 messengers from 422 churches. Well represented. Tennessee does a good job coming out for the, uh, the state annual meeting they call the Summit. And that was hosted Excellent. here in the Music City area just up in, uh, in Hendersonville. They should have gotten on their phones, though, texting all their friends to get seven more people there. I mean, break a thousand. Break a thousand. I mean, you come seven. that close. You were seven away from four I mean, digits. Well, Amy, they did have guests, so they did yeah. go over a thousand in total attendance. But yes, yes, messengers, they were just a few short, you know. And, and the big news coming out of this one was a passing a resolution on racism and the Great Commission. It talked about God is bringing the nations to Tennessee and making Tennessee home to more than 145 different uh, global people groups, and that the TBC is comprised of ra of racially and ethnically diverse churches, and then goes on and and just talks about Tennessee Baptists being categorically opposed to all ideologies and movements of any race that diminish the dignity of any human being. Um, and that and this is a strong statement: one cannot be a devoted follower of Christ and harbor racism of any kind in one's heart. So there's a, a you, you can click on the story. Uh, to see more, but this comes on the heels of you know the that uh, weekend, a little uh, that weekend last month, where um, where there were you know protests happening in Tennessee, and the the Tennessee Baptists you know held a press conference to say this is not we we, are, we do not support this, and so this resolution I think is really important in that because then when Tennessee Baptists come together, they actually exist as a convention for a couple of days. Uh, they said, okay, now here is the statement that we as churches coming together will make. I, I think they, I think it was really important for them to do this um, on the heels of that. I totally agree, Amy. Uh, moving on to the elections, David Level, who is pastor of First Baptist Church Millington, Tennessee, over in West Tennessee, Amy, was yes. elected as the Very president. Good. Todd Stinnett, who is the senior pastor at Black Oak Heights Baptist Church in Knoxville, was elected vice president. And Brian Carmichael, the pastor at Holy Temple Baptist Church in Memphis, was elected as the second vice president. See, you're doing it now. You're you're naming their churches and cities. Look, this is good. This is good. This is progress. All right. Yeah, well... Okay. They also passed a $34.5 million budget, which moves on 46.64% to SBC causes, which is up from 45.52% of the previous year. All right, Amy, there was one other point of business mentioned in the story here, and, and that was a, a recommendation uh, that would really change the definition of a cooperating Baptist church in Tennessee. Uh, but after several discussions about that, it was actually sent back uh, to the board for further consideration. So no action was taken on that. All right, time to head deep in the heart of Texas, Amy. We've got updates from both the SBTC and the BGCT. Yeah, so one of our states that has uh, two conventions and uh, we we typically, you know, and, and we hear from both of them. So SBTC gathered in Dallas um, and they had their largest messenger count since 2008. Yes, they they were on the campus of Chriswell College, home of alumnus 
Jonathan Howe. Excellent. That's exciting, Jonathan. Yeah. So they, they had 1,040 messengers and 225 guests with um, a lot more in attendance who didn't who didn't register. Why, why do you um, not register, people? I mean... I don't know. I don't know. You got to. <laughs> uh, so the big thing out of that, obviously, was um, this comes on the heels of uh, the Sutherland Springs yeah. tragedy. And so that was, was certainly a, a part of the discussion. Yes, and they also passed a $28.8 million budget, a 2.5% increase from the current year's budget. And as always, they pass on 55% of their budget to cooperative program ministries, the highest of any Baptist state convention. And the big news coming out of this, a good friend of the pod, Juan Sanchez, was elected as the president of the SBTC. We've had him on the podcast before. Yeah, um, this is great. Of course, we've known Juan Sanchez for a very long time. Uh, He and his wife, Janine, from our days at Southern Seminary. That's great for the SBTC. And... um, Nathan Lino was the president this year, correct? Uh Yeah. Last couple of years, I think. So we'll be looking forward to seeing uh, the meeting next year uh, with uh, Juan Sanchez as president. Yep. And as always, Amy, everything's bigger in Texas, and that includes the crowds. BGCT had 1,700 messengers and visitors and adopted a total budget of more than $37 million. Goodness. Wow. Which they pass on 21% uh, to the cooperative program. They reelected... Danny Reeves um, as president, who is pastor of First Baptist Church in Corsicana. Um, Joe Fields, pastor of New Beginnings Baptist Church in Louisville as first vice president. And Jim Helligman um, from First Baptist Bryan as second vice president. They also um, elected Doug Powell as recording secretary and Bernie Spooner as secretary of the corporation, which I don't know. That's a fancy name. I don't know completely what that means, but congratulations to Bernie Spooner. Yep. All right. Their big resolution was on sexual harassment and assault, Amy. Yeah. So they noted the high number of uh, reports across the nation, which obviously everyone, you know, you can't, you can't get away from the news about that, this discussion that's going on and the hashtag me Too social media campaign. Um, they called on Texas Baptists to affirm and support persons victimized by sexual harassment and assault and underscored the importance of preaching and teaching about proper behavior in order to help church members clearly understand appropriate and inappropriate behavior. Um, so it's uh, obviously that's a discussion everywhere, and the BGCT made it part of their discussion as well. Yeah, also passed resolutions of prayer and sympathies and support to First Baptist Church Sutherland Springs, uh, like we mentioned. They also affirmed the federal adoption tax credit, uh, which has been something that has been uh, discussed in in Washington with the new tax plan, and also uh, decried racism. had a had a one on had a resolution on racism, and re- another one on religious liberty for all people, and called for civil discourse, a positive dialogue between Christians and non Christian that honors Christ. Yes, I can get on board with all of those resolutions from the BGCT. So that'll do it for Texas, Amy, and that'll also do it for our state convention recaps. Uh, we'll probably have more next week because there's a lot I'm still sure. outstanding. Uh, so, But we, we have moved through quite a few of them this week. Also, last week, big week for Museum of the Bible, which opened to the public last week, Amy. Yeah, I was seeing stuff about that everywhere. Um, yep. In news stories, um, I was just reading about it in uh, Christianity Today, which was actually the the... Last month's, I got the newest issue yesterday, and so it's last month's that 
uh, was the the story about Museum of the Bible. But then even seeing friends yeah. who were getting we had a to lot go. of friends, a lot of Lifeway employees, a uh, few of us uh, from Lifeway were up there, and they just say it is the most spectacular thing that you've ever seen. So yeah. they said it's one of the best museums in D.C. And I even had a friend say that you know it'll be interesting to see how it, the public responds to it because it is so full of Jesus. He, he's just that's, saying you know great. people think of the Bible as as kind of a, 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 a just a religious book, but they are actually using the Museum of the Bible to point to Jesus so much. Well, you know, and as they should, since he's kind of the center of the story. Of, right. of the Bible, uh, it, it should point to Jesus because every story whispers his name, Amy. Um, mm-hmm. Had tip Sally Lloyd-Jones for that. But they said it's just oh, it's just amazing to see how it's displayed at the Museum of the Bible. Incredible. Yeah. So uh, that I'm going to have to put that on our family's list. Yes. I'm sure that the kids will love that. All right, Amy, some other news from uh, one of our sister seminaries down at New Orleans. They had uh, N.T. Wright and Simon Gathercole sharing a lecture on the atonement during the Greer Herd Point Counterpoint Forum that they hosted. I bet that was fascinating. I I, I find it very interesting to to go anywhere and to hear N.T. Wright um, speak. Uh, and and this is these are some big names. Yeah. N.T. Wright and Simon Gathercole, a big deal. Yeah, and uh, I heard the, uh, I talked to somebody who was at the lecture, said mm-hmm. the, pa- the place was packed out. Oh, I so bet they, it was. They haven't seen a crowd like that in chapel down there at New Orleans in a long time, and uh, just packed out to hear these two guys and just an amazing, amazing uh, lecture series. Yeah, and it wasn't just them. So the, the next day, yeah. uh, they had Michael Horton from Westminster, Doug Moo from Wheaton, uh, Edith Humphrey from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, Big and names. Kevin Van Hooser from Trinity. So Huge names. This, this was a really, really big deal to host all of these people. Um, good night. It makes me look at it and think we should have gone down to New Orleans and yeah. to, to see this. Your husband would have been all over that, I'm sure. Oh, we would have enjoyed it. All right. Well, and the food, too, in New Orleans. Of course. Of course. Uh, one Always. final note. There's a neat little story in Baptist Press about 32 new missionaries. Uh, we we kind of get caught up in all these other meetings, and we, we sometimes forget that this is going on as well. The IMB commissioned 32 new missionaries last week. Yeah, I saw that. That was a, a, a really exciting thing as it always is. So there's a sending celebration for these new uh, Southern Baptist missionaries, but but what an exciting thing. So that was on November 16th, and just good for us to recognize 32 more being added yep. uh, to the missionary force. Especially whenever we've got Lottie Moon uh, going on right yes. now in a lot of churches. Yes. Uh, the big Lottie Moon kickoff, I know that's probably going on in many of your churches uh, around the country, uh, raising money for the International Mission Board and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Tis the season. Uh, for that. Uh, that's going to do it for our news this week. That's going to move us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So this is an interesting one that I actually did not know until this week, until I was looking for this. Um, so obviously this is a, a, a week where as we get ready for Thanksgiving, we also are talking a lot about a major week in American history, which was in 1963. Yes. Um, when uh, the president, uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, was assassinated in Dallas, um, Texas. So obviously there's always that conversation that begins where people say, you know, where were you? Um, And I remember my parents telling me the story of where they were, and and it was just such a, a major part of our story as a country. Well, so there was another story uh, that happened that week, and if you go uh, to, we'll, we're going to put in the show notes, the Baptist Press issue from November uh, 27th, actually, is talking about a funeral. 
um, you have to scroll down because the top story is on uh, leaders and how they sort of process the assassination. Very interesting um, story that's worth reading. But if you go down, it talks about another um, funeral um, and it's policeman J.D. Tippett. I'm also going to throw in the Wikipedia article about him so you can see. This is a 39-year-old police officer in Dallas. He um, was attempting, they were kind of getting, uh, trying to figure out what was going on. And he was attempting to approach uh, Lee Harvey Oswald to question him. And he, uh, was, he was shot and killed in the line of duty. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, I, I remember yeah. the story now, but was he was Southern Baptist? Yes, he was a oh. member of Beckley Hills Baptist Church, and he had been for about a year and a half. Uh, the pastor said in this story, the pastor said he was fairly active, um, even considering the fact that he had another job in addition to being a policeman. Uh, they lived about a mile from the church, he and his family. Um, his wife, his family was also, uh, they were also members. And um, his oldest son was especially active in Sunday school and, um, and RAs. And so there was, uh, there, so they, they had the funeral service with an overflow crowd of 2,000. Wow. Wow. Um, and his pastor, uh, C.D. Tips, so it's a very close in name is Tippett and uh, Tips, but Pastor Tips spoke on the assurance of the resurrection. They had to have closed circuit TVs in Sunday school rooms and outside on um, on the the church lawn. Wow. Uh, yeah. So they, you know, th- this is kind of happening in the middle of like the nation is mourning. And um, there were community-wide memorial services. There was a you know funeral service happening for uh, the president of the United States. But also, uh, this church, Beckley Hills Baptist Church, was dealing with a lot the loss of one of their own. This 39-year-old officer in all of this. Now, of course, when you look at the Wikipedia article, you know that there's there's all of this. Uh, even that act. Um, of murder is kind of wound up in different, you know, conspiracy theories and trying to figure out exactly what happened. Uh, so if you if you read it, you, you sort of see the place that J.D. Tippett has in that story. But I think it's important to remember that um, he was a person. He was a family man. Um, he was a police officer that was serving his community. Uh, but he was also, um, it, it appears, he, he was also a believer and was a, a, a contributing member of Beckley Hills Baptist Church. And so this is a really important week in American history, but just sort of honoring um just sort of honoring someone that was a member of one of our own churches. Uh, it's also an important week uh, in SBC history. Wow, very cool. Did not know that. So learned a little bit something else about the uh, the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. I wonder if that was in there in the, the files released by the Trump administration. I'm sure there would have been something about this, this aspect of it. I mean, that was just such a day of chaos. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure something would have been about that that particular part that, you know, this officer uh, losing his, losing his life. But I had no idea that he was Baptist. Has there ever been a more chaotic day in the government and the administration as it regards to presidential authority and things like that? Um, Maybe Reagan, the assassination attempt on him because people didn't know. Yeah. Now, I mean, honestly, if you start going back and really digging into things, you can see some very um, fascinating chaotic. So you were asking this week on um, yeah. Twitter about the uh, the best book 
on the assassination of Lincoln, and a number of people, myself included, answered with Manhunt. Yeah, that was like the only um, one that anybody answered with. And and that's an incredible book. It really is to just show you what all was going on with the uh, with the whole con- you know the whole conspiracy, the whole plan to assassinate not just Lincoln but many others. Yeah, Grant Seward, uh, right, a bunch of them. Uh, Johnson, every everybody. So just to show that and sort of all the things that happened from that point until they uh, had John Wilkes Booth sort of cornered in the barn there. Uh, but some other, I mean, there are other fascinating things. One book that I read um, called, it's called FDR's Funeral Train. Oh, yes. I remember that. Yeah. And that is a fascinating that. book because it, 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 it's amazing because when they went to, uh, to take the remains of Roosevelt up to Hyde Park in New York, they're on this train and like the entire cabinet is on this train and the, the, um, the route was publicized ahead of time yeah. so that people could come and pay their respects. But then that basically meant that the entire United States government was all on this train in the middle of world war two in the middle of world war two. Yeah. I mean, it's just stunning and really amazing that nothing happened. Um, but it, it was that was kind of crazy. And obviously, things in the aftermath of Woodrow Wilson's stroke, uh, where probably his wife was, was running not, the government. Yes, probably he was not running the government. That's a good bit of chaos. I don't know that you can say it's the same as a chaotic day as it was in 1963. Um, but we certainly have had some times um, that were very un unnerving and you know watergate obviously falling in there too so if you really start digging into american history it it's it's pretty incredible the things that we have uh made it through yeah all right well that's going to bring us to our resources of the week my resource of the week is a video slash audio session from advance the church uh conference just a few weeks ago jen wilkin on women in church planting so yes, uh, the Jen Wilkin session there, fantastic little hour-long presentation from Jen. Uh, I'm I'm a huge Jen fan. We had her here on the podcast. I'm sold. I'm I'm like bought into everything Jen Wilkin. So uh, go listen to this. She talks about women and their role and how they're central to the mission of the church in church planning. Excellent. I'm very excited. Uh, someone just sent this to me. Uh, yesterday, and that's part of what I'm going to do this weekend, is to watch this video. I heard about it the day it happened um, and have been very excited for when it would be available uh, to check out online. So encourage everyone along with me to check that out this yes. weekend. And, and I may have ripped the audio from the, the video so I can listen to it on my drive today. Fantastic. So I've got the audio version. All right, awesome. Amy, your resource of the week is... Mine is something that I discovered just uh, just this week, and I tweeted about it. It's called The Great Thanksgiving Listen, and it's actually focused on um, high school students, but I think it's something that all of us could think through. Um, you know, there's certain, a lot of things out there that, that talk about families are going to be together and how to be with your family in the holidays and how to um, not uh, get into fights and, you know, things like that because things can get tense. Uh, this is a, a little bit of a difference, a positive spin. And so it's a um, it's put out by um, the StoryCorps archive at the American Folk Life Center at the Library of Congress. Um, they call it the Great Thanksgiving Listen, and they have um, an app that's put out there for you to record um, 
for you to record a conversation with someone else. And the encouragement is to young people, but really people of all ages, to help create an oral history of the contemporary United States by recording an interview with someone older um, using this app. Oh, my goodness. I am going to pretend you did not say that. Um, so they have, uh, you download the app, you create a login so you can access your interviews later. You select an interview partner and you prepare a set of questions. They have questions in the app. They also have some online. Then they encourage you have a conversation with them. Um, start recording and just talk, just hear their story. Um, as uh, as a person, as an American, and then uh, you create a title and a summary. You make keywords, and then you um, uh, and then you you share it, and you actually can archive it in the um, uh, with the American Folklife Center. And so then we are sort of all uh, creating an oral history of the United States because every citizen, you know, has um, an experience has has their own story, and this is a way to sort of capture those uh, those things. And, you know, we live in a social media age where we're sharing our, our stories in real time all the time, but when you particularly think about generations that have come before us, if we don't talk to them, if we don't hear about their experiences, you know, then 20 years from now, a lot of that uh, will be lost. So I think this is a really, really neat um, opportunity. And I, again, it's the third year, but that's the first time I heard about it. And I was very, uh, very intrigued. So I'm going to share that. All right. Well, that sounds interesting. I have to check that out. So sorry about the age comment, Amy. Um, it's okay. I'm used to it. <laughs> All righty. Well, it is, uh, officially the Christmas season, I guess. So Merry Christmas. Since um, we're past Thanksgiving, it's Advent. It's Advent. Let's, Advent. Let's just yeah. Let's okay. let's leave it at that. But there's no like Happy Advent or I mean like like there's no saying. Let's just say well Advent needs a ha- saying. I realize that this is going to drop the day after Thanksgiving, but can we just say Happy Thanksgiving this week and then next week we can start? Okay. So okay. I hope happy everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.